0: And, and so I just think that the world has shifted before it was okay to just be as blunt and as direct and it, that's not the world we live in. I mean, that's the reality. People, I mean, we see enough negative stuff. People have gotten a little frustrated with so much negative stuff. I, I don't want to work for a company that's going to criticize me. I really don't.
1: Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready take out your pencils and let's begin. Jack Welch said, before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. And John Maxwell said, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. This is episode 128 with Vice President and COO of Global Core Strategies and Consulting, ron harvey and if you hear anything you like make sure to head over to apple Podcasts, follow the show and leave a rating and review.
0: what started the company is you know i have a, a military background um and i had a, the, the opportunity and the honor to be able to coach some some senior executive leaders th- that were making really really important decisions and as i that that organization was relocating and i didn't want to relocate um my family didn't want to relocate we loved where we were at and living at and um i've always enjoyed leadership and so um i just took a risk i stepped out and said you know what let me let me start this company with all of the stuff that i do know all the stuff i've learned over 21 years of military service and i saw a need for it in our community and i literally just launched the company off of a couple things um support of a family um and faith are the two things um because i did not know how to run a business when i started it but i knew everything about leadership and I figured out I, I put the airplane in the air, Chris, and learn
1: to navigate without crashing it. Yeah, that's awesome. So how long ago did you start this uh, Global Core Strategies and Consulting then? Yeah, the, the dream, I mean,
0: literally saying that we we're going to start it, we we started building the back end of it in 2013. Oh, wow. um, we didn't okay. open up the doors of the company until two years later, um, wow. simply because it took us time to really design, develop and have a, a, a good foundation of what we're going to do and what the logo is going to look like and and what the name of the company was going to be and how we're really going to do it. So we didn't rush to open up and get our first client. We really built the foundation. It took us about two years just to get our mind wrapped around what we're, what we're going to be leaning into.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. And it shows like good things take time. Like it's, it's not going to happen overnight. You've got to, you know, put the work into it. You've got to plan it out. You've got to take those steps and you're going to have ups and downs and failures and uh, rough patches. And even, as you get successful and you have those results, you're still going to have those moments that you're going to have to lift yourself back up and continue forward. So that's a really cool um, kind of just insight on, on you know, the length of time it took you to get started for one. And then you've been doing it this long and uh, you kind of found found your rhythm kind of per se. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot
0: of there are a lot of mistakes made in that two years. Um, I, I changed logo. Um two to three times. Um, I changed what we were going to do because leadership is such a broad topic. I changed who we were going to focus on and who we were, gonna, I mean, people ask me, well, what is your, your value proposition? And and what is what are all these things that that you hear in all of the business world? And and I just wanted to go do leadership and and have fun and make money. And it's like, well, that's nice, but there's a business component. And so I can remember the you know, when I came up with a logo and I was in love with it. I mean, I was like thought the world of this thing, but I had n- no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know where, it just looked nice to me. It was like a nice little symbol of something. And I put it in front of someone that was brutally honest with me. And she says, what is this? I'm like, it's my logo. And I was all excited, Chris. And he says, well, do you want feedback? I said, yeah, I really do. She says, it's horrible. I'm like, i was ready for that. But I'm like, I got stuck. Like when she said, it, it was like, like someone had like, like came in, like just, you know, that crushed my world. And I said, really? And we're in a public place at a restaurant. She said, "Really, I don't know what it means. It, it doesn't represent, you know, what, you, what you're saying that you, you, you're a global core company, and you, you're, this doesn't represent global. It doesn't represent leadership. And all of it was very needed feedback. I needed someone to be brutally honest with me, and, I, and my feelings got hurt. But I recovered, and I built it. And now you see the globe and the thing wrapping around. All of it just I needed to hear that so I can get past it." So, yeah, that was it. That was a tough time when I sat at that dinner table that night.
1: Oh, yeah, I can imagine just just singing like the little setbacks that you're like so excited for. And you're like, oh, that's not working or that's not that doesn't fit. And it's like, oh, all the work and the emotions that go into, And you're like, OK, but we've got as entrepreneurs, as leaders, like being able to kind of bounce back to pivot, to adapt in those situations are is a huge part of it, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important for for leaders. To be able to hear the truth, even though it it and, and don't fall so in love with something that's not really meeting the purpose of what you're trying to do. So I was in love with it because it looked nice, but it wasn't a good enough product for my clients or potential clients to understand what we do by looking at a logo. So it's like looking at Apple, you know, you know, automatically as soon as you see it, it means what it means and who it is. And so it wasn't doing that. And so I was more important about the results then I was worried about like, if I liked it or not. So she said, it's not really for you to like, it's for the people that you're trying to reach to like. And so it made sense. And, and that was just a growth part for me is when you do those things, that, that was a growth that I didn't focus on. And you hear it all the time, but until you got to do it,
1: you don't understand it. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's something different. Actually, you have to to be in the moment to go through that than just hearing about yeah. you know the struggles and everything. Um, I, I'm interested for, first, thank you for your service in the military. Uh, um, 21 thank you. Thank years you said, right? Yeah. 21 years, uh, served in the army for 21 years. Wow. So I, I'm sure even in that you, you learned tremendous amount of leadership development and skills within that. What did you get to a certain rank or was it just watching your, um,
0: Yeah, I, I retired as
1: a first sergeant. Um, which which is really one level from the the, the max you can go
0: um, on the non-commissioned officer side, which is the next I retired is the E8 and the highest you can go is the E9. So, you know, after 21 years, I, you know, and I knew I was going to retire at 20 years. Um, it was just a, a dream and the goal of mine. And I wanted to do something different. So, you know, I, I walked away from it at, at 21 years. I'm very competitive, but I knew I wanted to do something else.
1: So that's 20, 20 years in the military. I can't imagine. Do you have any like stories of, of leadership that just kind of stick out in your mind? Like, wow, that was a true leadership moment uh, that you witnessed or heard about or, or saw anything like that that you can share? Yeah. Are- I mean, for me, I mean, there were just so many opportunities. If, if you
0: kept your eyes open, the things that seem really small, I mean, but there are just tremendous opportunities I can remember you know, a story where there was a, a soldier that had made a mistake in um, a little, little, you know, um, and, and it wasn't like people didn't know the mistake was happening, but he had made a mistake. And I came in as the new leader and inherited this soldier that had made a mistake. And they, they were really, really about to destroy his career. And I said, well, I looked at all the information and got all the information and, and the soldier was a good soldier up until that point of that mistake. And it wasn't a career ending mistake. It was a mistake, but it wasn't a career ending mistake. And I came in, I, I told my leadership, I said, let me work with them for a couple months. Let me let me rehabilitate. I, I don't know if we need to destroy this individual's career. They have a family. So who you see is one thing. But he has a wife and and two kids and and a whole lot of other dreams. And, and this is not a career ending mistake. I just and it wasn't. And I said, let me transfer him to my organization and let me let me have this soldier. And that soldier, we saved his career. Um, He went on to do great things because he just needed a second opportunity to have a wake up call. You know, so in those moments where you can step in and put your your rank and your name and your position on the line for someone else, because you just see the value in them. And I think leaders got to be able to sometimes give people second chances, even when it looks bad and it sounds bad. You know, and they did make an honest mistake. It was an honest mistake and the soldier owned up to it but it wasn't a career ending mistake. And, and I think sometimes we destroy people's careers when it's not a career ending incident that takes place. So that was huge. And that's that individual still to this day, you know, stays in touch, got invited to the wedding, knows all the kids, got invited to graduations. It was just a life changing moment for him and for me because that was important for me. Um, the other thing that stands out the most for me as a leader in the military is I, I spent a lot of time um, in recruiting command. And I remember when the hurricane hit, we're in South Florida and the hurricane, you know, demolished most of the area that we covered. And my senior leader came and said, hey, we still want everybody to report to work. And I literally said, Chris, I said, that's not happening. I said, I have people without power. I have people without water. I have people without electricity. I have people without food. What we're going to do is we're going to do what we do in, in other countries and we're going to take care of everybody that's under my command and I literally did not send anybody to work. And that was at the risk of me losing my position, but I was willing to lose my position to ensure that those people that needed lights, water, and we went to check roofs, we went to make sure people's property was intact, we went to help clean clean up, cut down trees. We went to everybody's house that was under my command and checked on each one of them individually to make sure everybody was safe. And then we began to do recoveries for everyone. Um, so we didn't do any work for about a month. I just refused to say, hey, I need you to go out and he- take care and help someone else get in the military without them being taken care of and they needed and they had what they needed so they could feel safe and their families were safe. So that was another challenging moment because my leaders didn't agree with it. Um, so I had to kind of say, well, we'll make up the shortfalls later, but for the next 30 days, I'm going to take care of these people.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming that turned out well, right? Because you continued in your career. and <laughs> Yeah, it did. It, it, it ended up
0: really well, Chris. It was it was challenging to go through because it was just, you know, People because numbers matter. And and so when you're in a recruiting command, you gotta, you know, make sure you fill the ranks. And so numbers were important and I get it, but they were no more important than the people that actually were going to do the work for me. And that's where I said my job is to make sure that they take care of that I take care of them, then they'll take care of everything else. And it ended up, you know, a really great assignment for me. We did phenomenal, you know, but we had to take care of them.
1: Yeah. No, that's and that's hard. Willing to do the the right thing at, you know. Possibly sacrificing your your career, your job, but but doing the right thing. So yeah, uh, that's huge. Now I wonder if, and you don't have to use names or anything, but did you see any moments of poor leadership, not from you specifically, but just in general that really stuck out to you? Like, oh, and, and maybe it resonated uh, throughout years to come, just of a bad leadership moment from someone else. Yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen. I mean,
0: even I've I've made bad leadership moments. You know, I tell people I've learned all, this, but even for me, I can remember. You know, making, and I'll use me as, as an example because I think people will see me now and, and realize I have really great leadership skills. But I wasn't always there, and and I can recall as as a a young leader getting caught up in my ego, getting caught up in I've arrived and people got to serve me. And so there's a lot of expectations, and and I would you know want to have things my way versus listen to my team. And so I can recall making mistakes where I would step back. You know, there's a, a soldier that that really needed to be able to take care of his family. And I was young and come up and say, look, you know, the first thing is for you to take care of what I actually you, then we'll worry about your family. And that was a huge mistake. And that was a, a fault in, in my language because he was. I had to show him how to do it the right way. So I've made those mistakes. I've made the mistake in getting caught up in the scoreboard versus the player that's going to shoot the basket for us. And so I had to step back and and not get caught up in the scoreboard because when the score was, if I was winning, I was good. But if I was losing, I wasn't the best leader, and I had to get past like worrying about whether I'm the scoreboard is reflecting what I want. I, I learned then at that time, no matter whether we're winning or losing, people still are the most valuable asset you have, and that's why I learned at that time. Hey, you know, um, and even with my son, you know, we have a son that's, that's 32 years old. I can remember he gave me a wake up call, you know, when I was serving in the military, and I think a lot of military members make this mistake, Chris. I can remember him say, Dad, when when you're in uniform and you're serving. That's great. That's phenomenal. But when we come home, we're not soldiers. I, I need you to love me. I need you to treat me like your son and not your soldier.
1: And that was a wake-up call for me. Yeah. Being able to separate, you know, quote, unquote, work from from family or having that harmony somehow where you can kind of turn off. Uh, man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it comes from your
0: son. You look like, like you want to say to like,
1: you know, but
0: it was it was a real moment that that, you know, um, I was seen as because you can easily get caught up in the military or any leadership role, and not just military. This is for a lot of CEOs or executives becoming a correction and direction leader. All you do is correct and direct, correct and direct. And, and my son said, "Dad, I know you're doing it because you care, but you're not showing you care. Where is the the where is? And that's why I came with the, the phrase of audio match video. He says, "I hear you, but what you're doing doesn't
1: add up to what you're saying." man and that's good audio match video because yeah sometimes we mean well yep but you know the words we're using or the way we're saying it doesn't come off that way yeah. um yeah. so man that's that's a good one so so you you 21 years in the military learned a lot good and bad but all learning moments so how do how do you correlate that now to helping individuals develop their leadership skills uh, in, in the corporate world, or or in entrepreneurship ventures, where do you kind of start when you come alongside people?
0: Yeah, there are, there are a lot of places I start, but there are some things that that I share everywhere that I go, Chris. That that really can resonate regardless of where you find yourself in corporate, or military, or entrepreneurship, or in a, in, in a church, or or doing volunteer work. Is I say, no matter where you are as a leader, that's that's irrelevant if you can't meet your people where they are. And I say it's unfair for us to ask as leaders for anyone to follow us if we're not willing to meet them where they are. And so you can't reach back like, come on, come on. You really got to go back three or four steps and meet them where they because they may not be where you expect them to be. They may be three or four steps further behind than you thought they would. You know, you may come on and someone's had eight years or 10 years in the organization. Then you show up as a new leader and you are like, oh, they should know all, this, all the system. It depends on who developed them and who trained them and who who delegated and empowered them. Sometimes people are not where you really think they ought to be based on their degree or their tenure or their time or their experience. Sometimes they're not there. And so I I think, you know, meeting people where they are is one of the things that I always tell people. I say it's hard to to lead me if you won't take time to find me. And oftentimes leaders don't take time to find the people that they're supposed to lead. And so one of the key things that we do in organizations say, Let's walk through every one of your people and tell me where they are in their journey of, of, of growth. Tell me where they are on their journey with their families. Tell me where they are on their journey with their personal development. And if you can narrow that down, then then you have the opportunity to go to that space and lead them. But it's unfair to you. cannot lead me if you will not take the time to find me. The other thing I tell people is uh, we lead with, with the word and this is going to. We lead with the word called love. Every single time. And what that means for us it's an acronym is leaders for me. When we teach organizations, say, are you really listening to your people, which is what are you observing what's not being said? Do you really value them and do you empower them? And I've taken that acronym as an organization and walked into any company, any organization and say, hey, we're going to use love. And people like, oh, here we go. This emotional touch, I say it's not that at all, but the word love is an acronym for listening, observing, value, and empower. And I think every leader, ha- before you can lead, you got to listen.
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge position to start from is one of listening, because I think a lot of times businesses or individuals, they just want the result. And so they're looking at it almost like as people as like a number in, in their system and not li- really listening to them as people. Yes. Yeah. What happens for all of us, Chris,
0: I can even for me um, and I always try to refer and use me as an example um, because I'm pretty transparent and vulnerable that I think I'm the best example to use sometimes. So other people don't feel like you're you, like you're perfect. It's hard to get people to buy in if you don't allow them to weigh in. And that's where the listening comes in at, you know, um, I, our, our organization uh, the work we work with our clients. We have an 80 20 rule. 80% of the time we want our clients to be speaking. The other 20% is when we're asking more questions for them to speak more. And so in order to get people to buy in, you got to allow them to weigh in. Nobody weighs. If, if I don't get a chance to weigh in, don't expect them to buy in later.
1: Yeah. They want, they want to feel heard. They want to feel like their voice matters and that they have a say. And, and when you do that, they start to build more ownership in what's happening within the company and what's going forward. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I always try to drop things that people use. So, the people that are listening to us, what I found out about human beings in general is how do you intentionally create space for other people to be brilliant? And the best way to do that is allow them to speak. Like, are you intentionally creating space for people to be brilliant?
1: yeah and we miss it if we don't listen and i think the next one even observe like observe their strengths yes yeah so what else what how can we observe obviously listening so giving the opportunity to speak you know getting them engaged interacting and things so how do we observe better as leaders
0: sometimes you, you for me and our organization i really step back and i'll come to meetings and sometimes like you know with the with the digital platform in and, and different ways I will walk into a room uh, uh, unexpected and, and and not be seen. I mean, I, I put myself in positions where I'm not supposed to be there. Um, they weren't expecting me to be there, and I don't let them know I'm there. And it's not that I'm spying or I'm trying to catch them. And I told them, I say, you know, for for our team, you know, I want them to always feel like there's nothing to hide, nothing to prove, and nothing to lose. That I, I and the way I got there, be able to do that, Chris, where I can show up and people don't. Run around. I go by run everywhere that I go, and, and I don't do titles. And you know, some people the titles are important. When I was in the military; it was a natural thing that titles were important. But when I walk into a room, I don't know. I don't allow people to, to to wait on me at all. When I come in with my team, I want to wait on them because they've been they've been working and getting things done for us for a long time. So when I'm around, I say, "Hey guys, I, I'm here to see how I can help. I'm here to see what resources you need. I'm really here to find out where the where the barriers that you're encountering that." What what are the, the two things you need from me that nobody else in our organization can do for you? And I just sit back and, and move out of the way. I mean, I've sit in some of my meetings, if you watch, and won't say a word. I'll just sit there and let the team do everything. And they'll say, hey, by the way, Ron, here's what we know we need you to do. And and I just, okay, got
1: it. This is what I owe you. And I keep it moving. And it kind of flows to the next point that you have on your acronym is is VALUE. So you've lifted these people up and raised their value. They see it more in themselves, so they get stuff done. And, and you're valuing what they're capable of yes. by letting them just take, take the reins of that, right? Yeah. I mean, for leaders and organizations, even for the work that you and I do, um,
0: nobody if you can get people to feel valued in your organization, they will work for your mission and your vision and, and not for your money and if you're hiring people that are just working for your money then you got to be able to flip that mindset for them and the only way to flip that mindset is that they feel like the decisions that they're making are adding value to your vision and your mission and you you really hear them and you want to hear them and so i that has shifted because people will work for your money all day and never believe in your vision
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a huge part of it is getting them on board, and and one making them even aware of what the vision and mission is because they don't know what it is and they can't, you know, be on board with it. Yes, yeah. And so that's for me. I, you know, people
0: um, use the word, you know, and and you've heard it as well. I'm sure, is constructive criticism. I, I don't use it in our organization, and people that listen to this may think that, hey, what's wrong with it? for me. I can't ever remember a time, Chris, where I've ever, ever requested or asked for criticism ever in my career. I've never walked up and said, hey, give me some criticism. That's just never happened for me. And and so what was struggling because the word has taken on a negative connotation is I say everybody deserves developmental feedback. The word criticism literally construct means to build, criticize means to to destroy, to tear down, to, to make, if you look up the definition of it, it means to really make people, f- make it not sound so great. I think everybody deserves feedback, developmental feedback. And so when we in our organization, I say, we don't, we don't do constructive criticism. I say, what we do is developmental feedback, which means the person says, Hey, I want to know how well we did. What could we have done better? I mean, we even do a lot of work to stay away from, Hey, tell me, tell me, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses. What we say is, hey, tell us what you're really
1: good at and tell us what you want to be better. at. The words we use, you know, carry a lot of weight. Yes. Yeah. That's good and point. and so I just think that the world
0: has shifted before. It was OK to just be as blunt and as direct. And, and that's not the world we live in. I mean, that's the reality. People. I mean, we see enough negative stuff. People have gotten a little frustrated with so much negative stuff. I, I don't want to work for a company that's going to criticize me. I really don't.
1: Even if you don't mean it in a negative way, just the, just the, the weight of that word and, and the direction and the connotation that it means is just a turnoff to a lot of people. So we, again, yeah. we have to be careful the words we choose to use. Uh, and I like that developmental feedback. That's a good, it just has a better ring to it. You know, you're like, oh yeah, feedback, developmental, I'm getting better and, and getting, you know, people's opinions. So yeah. uh, I really like that. Yeah. And I think we
0: need it. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody needs feedback. I mean, there's just no way you can't. You can live a life without any feedback, right? I can. I can tell you, I can live a life without criti- being criticized. I really can, not personally. Um, and I'm telling my wife, I said, I've never even went to the woman that's the closest to me in the world. I've never asked her for criticism. Hey, honey, how, tell me, tell me how bad a husband I am. Give me some criticism. I've never. Now, do I want to know how well I'm doing as a husband and as a father? Yes, and I need to know that. And, and what makes her happy, or, or what is she a little frustrated with? I need that feedback so I can pay attention. But Criticizing people, I mean, I've never seen critics really change
1: the world in a positive manner. Because it's how you approach the thing that needs built differently or approached differently. Feedback versus criticize. Criticize is just tearing down, you know, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Like a negative review versus like, hey, I, it was this like sandwich approach, right? I'm sure you've heard like positive. Then you say, hey, maybe we can improve here, but you did really good here. So you sandwiched that together. Yes. Yeah.
0: And and it's worked for us. I mean, and it may not work for everybody. It's worked for us as an organization that the people on the team know that, hey, we, everybody gets feedback. Everybody gets feedback on our team. And, And I say that publicly with our team. I say, hey, everybody gets feedback. Let's be really clear. And so it when we're sitting down and we're going to use that language, so even for me on my team, I'll literally go and say, "Hey guys, I you know give me feedback on on how well I did as the leader of this organization." That's going to shift us and make us better. And people will like readily give that. But if I want to say, "Hey guys, I need y'all to give me some criticism," I sign the front of the check. That's probably not going to happen,
1: right? <laughs> exactly.
0: Like, tell them the boss, you you know you messed up this thing, or uh, how how bad of a. Tra- I mean, there's a way to say that that keeps everybody
1: engaged. Ironic, quote unquote. Ironic, not really, but how that kind of goes into the last one. The empower. You're empowering these people to, you know, to voice what they see, what could be improved in a way that's safe for them or feels safe. So empowering, I think, is is a great word to use within your organization.
0: And what it has done for us, it allows people to know that they matter. The end of the day, people on our team, Chris, they they'll ask, "Hey, Ron, what is what is the most important thing?" I say, "Look." Do not stress on making me happy. I'm like, what do you mean? I say, I don't, I'm not your focus. They said, what do you? I say, I need to empower you when that client is in front of you, or our customers in front of you, our partners in front of you. I need you to be able to make a decision about what's best for them, that's legal and legit and makes sense, and just do it, and then just update me when you're done. I say, you don't need to make a phone call. Well, let me get this cleared by you know, Mr. Harvey. No, if it makes sense, you know me well enough. You know what 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 we do as an organization. You know what our values are. If that makes sense, and it's what we should be doing, do it, and then come back and brief me on it. Maybe. But I'm not going to handcuff them that they can't make a decision, and then our partner has to wait because of the the control and piece of it. And there's some things in the organization that only I can make a decision about, and those things are made way before they get put in that situation. But I do empower them to make a customer happy every single time. I, my our, our thing in our company is I don't know how many people use it, but I use it everywhere that I go. When someone asks us something, the first thing I tell our team is I need you to figure out how to say yes. How do you get to a yes? I teach that in marriage ministry, I teach that in, in corporate America, I teach that with kids, because we've gotten so comfortable, like someone will come say, hey Ron, can you do this? I say, hey Chris, let me let me see what my schedule looks like, let me see what's the best way to do it, let me see what's the best. But I don't automatically on our team, we don't just say no, like soon as it's no. Unless it's something illegal and immoral, we can say no. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, we really say, hey, how do we get to a yes here?
1: I mean, really, you'll hear us say that like, hey, that's a really good idea. How do we get to a yes? One, I mean, it takes weight off you as a leader because you can trust your team and, and they yes. trust themselves more. So they build confidence and then the people under them, they serve them better because then they're going to, it's just a positive chain down yes. the line. And I think so much potential in people are missed because they, they, they aren't listened to, they aren't observed, they're not valued and, and then they're not empowered. And I think uh, there's so many people out there in, in jobs that are just, they're not getting those things from their leadership and it's, it's hindering the company's growth. It's hindering that person's growth. And, and so I, I, I love the analogy that you, or the acronym that you use there. So. It's amazing. I mean, I was, I was doing some work and and this guy We're doing a project for us renovations
0: mm. and we hired him to do some renovations at our church. And I, and I come up and I'm just checking the project. I say, Hey, I'm gonna come by once a week. I'm gonna check the project. And, and he, we hired his team and, and someone didn't show up and he goes, man, good help is so hard to find. I said, wow, I say, so a good organization to work for. And he just paused. he like I said, and the reason I want you to pay attention to that. If you're a great organization, you'll find great people. Mm-hmm. I said, so I want you to pause and reflect, because if your mentality is good help, is hard to find everybody you see, you're going to automatically think they're not good mm-hmm. because that's the frame that you're looking through. Those are the lenses. So if you believe good help is hard to find, it's going to be hard for you to find it because yeah. you're going to mark everybody as not good and they're going to, have to prove themselves to you. I don't see it that way. I say, I think there's plenty of good help out there. Am I the company that's good enough to have them? And I let them know that we need you just as much as you need us. So where's And I think we get caught up sometimes. They need a job. They do, but we also need them. And it's an equal balance. I, I tell everybody on the team, I need every one of you to serve all the people we serve. And so I don't want you to think this is just a job for you because I don't see you as just an employee. I see you as a contributor and a decision maker.
1: It just shifts the whole thing, the whole mindset of the team, of the company. And so going like where where do you see leadership development going? Do you see it, you know, evolving in certain ways? I mean, we got so much virtual now, like where do you see that kind of headed at all?
0: Yeah, I think think COVID did two things here for us, Chris, and and both start with the E. I think COVID, if you're really good as a leader, it elevates you. But if you weren't really good as a leader, it exposed you. Because now you you didn't look as you don't look as good as you were looking before. And I think you had to really get better in this virtual remote world. And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think we're going to come up with a hybrid way. Um, There are a lot of people that don't want to go back into the building. So leadership is going to get exposed if you're that I got to have you in the office and I got to see you and I got to have this thing. And you got to take a lunch break like this and you got to dress like this. I think you're going to get exposed. But if you're open minded and you're okay with, hey, let me meet you where you are. What do you need? Let me use love in this. And and how do you still get the work done? Then I think you're going to get elevated. So I think what this did is taken off the lid, uh, ripped the bandaid off, if you will. On the way we used to do leadership and and understand that it's just not a one size fit all anymore. And I think leaders had gotten comfortable that one size or one style of leadership was was accommodating for everybody. So it's going to force us as leaders to to be adaptable and
1: agile. There's not going to be a one style that's going to be effective for everybody that's on your team anymore. It definitely has opened up a whole new way to do things and approach things. And it's going to be an interesting transition, I think, but I think it's going to, yeah, like you said, it's going to elevate or expose a lot of stuff going forward. This is, this has been great. The, the acronym, love, just listen, observe, value, empower, leading with that. And then meeting people where they are are just two huge points as far as leadership development, how we can be better, within our teams, within our families, within our organizations. So I appreciate you being on and sharing all of this, just knowledge, just a vast experience that you've had just through the military and through your, your entrepreneurship business career. Right. So before we kind of wrap things up here, I asked the kind of same question for all my guests is the fifth trade of pencil leadership is everyone's crea- created uniquely and with a purpose and potential to leave a positive mark on the world. So when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your positive mark is? What, what I would want someone
0: to, to be able to say is that people always matter to him and everything he did was about making a difference for someone else that couldn't do it for themselves. I mean, that's how I want to be remembered. That's the legacy. You know, if, it, if today was the last day and someone had to speak, I would want them to say that people always matter and that he always tried to do something that made a difference for those that could not do it for themselves
1: an honorable mark to leave. And I know you're you're working and doing that with what you're doing right now. So I, I appreciate that and uh, the difference you're making. Thank you for that. How how can people connect with you? How can people find out more about you and, and your company? Yeah, I mean,
0: uh, Global Core, I mean, if you go up to Global Core Strategies and Consulting, I mean, just put the, the WWW in. We're out of Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and then our phone number, if you want to reach us by phone, um, 803-764. 1554. Or you can send me an email and that's at rharvey.gcsconsulting. consulting. So if you just go rharvey at gcs.consulting, you'll be able to reach us. But love to be able to support you. I, I love doing the work and, and and Chris, this has been phenomenal. I mean, I love talking about leadership. I can talk about it for hours. Um <laughs> because everything, I'm a, I'm a member of the John Maxwell team. I truly believe everything rises and falls on leadership. Yep. And so if you're a leader, you know, they taught us in the military. A leader is responsible for everything that happens or fails to happen. Everything that happens everything. or fails falls on our shoulders. So reach out to us. We'll be happy to have a conversation. Um, but also, Chris, you know, reach out to you. are doing some phenomenal work. Thank you. Um, continue to do it. I mean, it's good to see, you know, you doing what you're doing. So keep doing the podcast. Keep keep putting this in front of people. It's not going anywhere. Leadership is what drives this whole universe.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, thank you again, Ron, so much for being on Pencil Leadership today